And I'm Brett Johnson. And we're both anti-fraud experts. But with very different sets of experiences. I've been in the anti-fraud space for well over a decade, helping some of the biggest companies in the world help them prevent payment fraud. And prior to several years ago, I was a fraudster. I committed several different types of fraud online, ended up on the Secret Service's most wanted list, spent some time in prison. And since that point, I've dedicated my career to helping businesses and consumers protect themselves against the type of people like I used to be. So this is really weird because we've actually never recorded in person before. That's true. Um, that's been recorded. So we did several hours of taping about a year ago in Seattle that haven't seen the light of day. Um, and never will. <laughs> we were still learning. But honestly, every podcast since we're, I think this is our 21st podcast. Wow. I know. Everyone has been over Skype from about 3,000 miles away. So, and 21 here I am, podcast. 21. Jeez. I know. Our podcast is legal to drink. <laughs> if it were yours. Um, yeah. So I'm now two feet away from you instead of 3,000. That's this true. Is, we're in San Fran today. We are. Yeah. I mean, knowing that Brett was coming to the West Coast, it just made sense to take the two-hour flight down and record a little and I get to see you speak, which I haven't seen you speak on stage since the very first time you spoke publicly when I hired you for CNP. It's, it's been a while. It's been yeah, a while. I know. I'm really excited about it, actually. I'm glad I get a sneak in the back. I said, do I? I asked the people that are coordinating the event because I know them as well. And I was like, do you mind if I sit in the back? They're like, no, please do. I said, am I considered a groupie if I technically discovered him? <laughs> Is that weird? But uh. <laughs> <laughs> so no, this is really fun, actually. Yeah. And it's kind of full circle. We've come a long way since the last time we recorded in person because we actually have a podcast. We, we have a podcast <laughs> and it's we uh, kind of know what we're doing. We've now. got listeners. We Who would have thought? Who we love. <laughs> And who seem to love us, which we're grateful for. <laughs> so, um, no, this is really fun to do this in person. Got to see Brett's wife and and son again. And well, I hadn't met your son yet, but yes, uh, yes. heard he, lots of stories. Lots of uh, yeah. And for those who don't know, I think I don't know <laughs> if I've mentioned it on the podcast or not. But the lad, he, he's my stepson. He's fourteen. He, he's just found out about girls in the past six months. <laughs> oh, yeah, about a year. Yeah, so, year, six months, something like that. And he's, he he keeps testing me on his electronics, right? <laughs> so, but you're the wrong person to test you on. I am the wrong person. He, uh, he had this iPhone 6. I made him, I, I actually made him buy it yeah. with his own money. He earned well, his own money to buy it. And the reason that was is because his he, other device he had misused, mm -hmm. had had been looking at things he wasn't supposed to, sending things out he wasn't supposed to. So he, I made him buy this iPhone 6. He paid for it with his own money and everything, and uh, that got taken away from him for bad grades. <laughs> then we gave it back to him for two weeks, and he decides he's going to install this program called Calculator Plus. <laughs> I'm so thankful. <laughs> I have a 14-year-old, too. I haven't had to worry about that. But yep. I know exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he, you know, I I tell him I, I look come in one day and I was like, phone, hand it to me. <laughs> and he gets this look on his face. And I'm like, look, right now, I said I'm not mad, 
Whatever you've done, anything on there, just let me know. We can talk it out. And you can see it working in his face. He's he, all these emotions of what he can say, what he can't. And he first the says, yep. on the wheel. <laughs> he's, he's like, oh, nothing's on it. And I'm like, are you sure? And I even tell him because I'm looking at your face right now and it's obvious something's on there. <laughs> so it, 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 it it's, he, he lets these little things out. Well, I've been looking at anime. Nude anime. <laughs> yeah. Tentacle porn. Oh, gosh. <laughs> he was like, no, none of that. And I'm like, okay, all right. And then finally, you know, I'm looking through the phone and it's obvious he's deleting some of his text messages and he's deleted some internet history. And I've been telling him, I don't care what you look at, do not delete anything from this phone. Mm hmm. So finally, I'm like, I'm like, well, I'm not happy with it. And he's like, well, I guess I should tell you about this program, Calculator Plus. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> he was like, yeah. And I was like. Uh, this is like after 20 minutes. Oh, yeah, I did 20, oh, 30 minutes. Yeah, I have yeah. this on my phone. I should probably yeah. let you know. This is why, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, what about it? And he's like, well, it's not really a calculator. I'm like, it's not. You're not using it for geometry? <laughs> exactly. So I was like, well, what is it? Well, it allows you to hide things in the program. And I was like. I looked at him. I was like, oh, set his phone down. I was like, I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> I have heard this story, but it's a good one. Walk downstairs, go in the basement, get a hammer. <laughs> Walk back upstairs, set the phone over to the side again, take the hammer. Wham! Hit the phone as hard as I can. Bust it, break every glass in it, and I hand it back to him. There's your phone. You did promise to give him this phone <laughs> I back. I promised to give the phone back. And to be fair, though, you've told him he has until April. And if he continues to make good choices until right. then, you will buy him a brand new phone. Absolutely. I, I told him, I was like, look, I said, uh, we need to get to the point where you you're, you communicate with me about yeah. everything that's going on. Whatever, you, whatever I need to do, you let me know. Let's just talk these things out. I right. said, if you, I said, look, I understand that you're a kid, that you've got these emotions, these hormones going, and everything else like that. It's normal to have that, but right. you have to get to the point where you're able to talk to people. So hopefully, he's getting there. We've got him uh, in counseling right now, and everything else. And he was making a lot of really funny comments yeah, in the back seat of the car. They just, none of them were appropriate. None of them were, were appropriate at all. That's why I laughed. <laughs> so, not not at all appropriate. But that's you know, I, he was my kid. So I thought it was funny. Yeah, so. <laughs> and. I'm pretty liberal in my house about what we say and stuff. Exactly, exactly. I grew up in such a I mean, we, house. we are too. Right. Uh, but I do think that like that's, I mean, this is obviously not a parenting podcast, but I think that circling back to the whole point of this, those of us in fraud prevention, it's really hard to have teenagers. It is. A lot it of is. people I know in fraud prevention still have like toddlers and young kids. And right. let me just tell you, like, it's really bad because we know what's out there. Exactly. Especially when we're talking to our friends in, that work for social media in the fraud department and the spam department or our friends that work in online gaming. That's like, right. The things that they've told me, it scares the heck out of me. And I am a little extra vigilant. Now, I am the kind of parent that I explained to Jordan exactly why I care about that. And I know you are too. And that really helps because she's her mother's daughter. And <laughs> if she wasn't given the why, she'd go test it out herself. And I know that <laughs> I was that person. So, you know, tell me it's wrong. Fine. But if I don't know why, I'm going to go figure sure, out why absolutely. myself. You know, she appreciates it. And I actually hear her sometimes lecture her friends like you shouldn't be friending people that you don't know. <laughs> Right. You shouldn't be doing right. this or And I'm really proud. It's like, oh, it makes my mother's heart proud. But <laughs> I do think that especially with your background, he's not going to be able to get away with much because well, and, you know the thinking, you know the mindset, but also 
you want something better for him. I think the whole point of parenting, whether they're your stepkid or your, you know, biological kid, I don't think that matters. I think what matters is we want them to have a better life than we had. Right. And, and you know, I, you know, I served prison time. I, yeah. I broke the law. I know how that you stuff that starts and I know yeah. where it goes to exactly. at the end of the day. And I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to make sure I don't, I have no idea. I've never had kids of my own and I have no idea how to raise a kid. I don't. So, so I, I'm oh. just trying to figure out how to, how to make sure that he ends up as a good human being. That's the, the entire thing. My husband tried that too. He thought for a long time that everybody who has a biological kid gets a handbook. He just didn't have the handbook. I mean, he still swears, like, I'm still looking for that handbook. Yeah, where's the instructions? Seriously. And I think it was finally when we started to hang out with other couples that had kids around her age when she was like in preschool that he was like, oh, nobody knows what they're doing. Everybody's making this up. Yeah. Yeah, we are. But I think that you... I've been very open about you had a really rough childhood. And I know that in your latest speeches, you're giving a lot more of that information out. I personally believe it's like therapy for you on oh, stage. It is. it is. I'm glad that you can do that. Not many people get paid to do therapy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I did a lot recently, but also I, I think that it really knows how genuinely remorseful you are that you are willing to share this stuff. But I think that knowing a lot of those stories like I do, I, I feel like you're doing all this with love. It could come across as like, oh, he smashed his phone. What I mean, but like you're doing it because right, you want something right. better for him because you know where that road leads and you know it starts with a couple lies here and there and hiding That's stuff it. from That's your it. parents and then it goes on. So, well, you know, with me, it, it, what I do, you know, I, I busted his phone up. Then I looked at him and I, I, I set the phone down after I, you know, I handed the phone to him and I, I told him, I was like, look, you will never put a program like that on a phone or mobile device or any type of device. You also again, don't know what's in that program, right. right? You don't know if there's malware there probably exactly. is. If they're so, if they're building it for teens to hide stuff from their parents, right. they're probably putting spyware on there themselves. Like so, you don't know. So about you know, it. I told him that and he saw the look in my face and everything. Then I, I stopped and I said, I want you to understand I'm not angry at you. Right. And I went over and I hugged him and I was like, Look, I said, we have to get to the point where you're able to communicate these things and you understand why you can't do these types of things. Right. So, you know, hopefully we get through to them. <laughs> if, if not, there'll be more busted phones. <laughs> well, you know, he didn't really realize that we had a podcast and he's like, Brett, why don't we listen to this? And so I'm kind of thinking he might be listening. To he this. might. He might. <laughs> we'll see. However, he did point out, well, I can't use iTunes anymore because I don't have a phone. <laughs> I was like, you can get an MP3 player. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, a little off topic, but this is really fun to be doing this in person. I, yeah. It's exciting. I mean, one day you'll move to Seattle and it'll happen all the time. Yeah, I like Seattle. To, I like Seattle Birmingham. a lot. Yeah, but you know, cost of living and all that. That's just curry streaming. My husband thinks Brett is literally the most interesting person he's ever met no, in his life, no, no, which no, no, no. I looked at him and said, hey, what's up about me? <laughs> I'm but, your spouse, dude. Right? <laughs> but at the same time, like, I remember we went out to dinner last summer and he literally was like resting his head on his hand. Just I've never seen him so captivated. But I did tell him, I was like, listen, if what's in, most interesting to you is somebody that's gone to prison, I'm really okay with being boring. Uh, I've said that a lot. <laughs> He's really been in prison. Oh. But not just that. It's the redemption story. And yeah, um, yeah. we'll get into it probably in our next episode or two after the bigger one comes out. Brett and I were both recently interviewed for a pretty big podcast yeah. um, by Slate Magazine. It's been an interesting, it, they made me think about some things that I, I hadn't thought of before, you know, asking me if I really thought that you were reformed and 
I hadn't really thought of it because right, I right. really do believe that you are. And I, I mean, I think I know you probably better than most people in this industry for lots of reasons. <laughs> I mean, you and I talked for three months before I ever hired yeah, you. Yeah. And, you know, I guess I discovered you, so to speak. And I mean, I, you've done so much work on your own that you deserve well, more you, credit than I do. I just think that, you know, you're the one dr- going to these things and talking and doing all that work. Well, you know, it, what, I just made introductions. What, what got me so bad, um, of course, Slate Magazine is doing this podcast and they've interviewed you. They interviewed uh, Keith Malarski, my sister, my wife, all these other people. So, so they interviewed my sister and they spoke to her for about an hour and a half. Yeah. And she calls me after that. And, and the thing is that me and my sister, we had, we had an abusive childhood. She calls in and she's talking to me. I can tell when she's talking to me, she is just broken. Oh, you know, she's, 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 she's upset. She's, she's everything Aww. else. And she makes a comment, you know, she's talking to him and they tell her, they're like, you know, you're telling a lot of the same stories that Brett told us. And she's like, yeah. Liar. <laughs> and, uh, they, they told her, they, they were like, you know, but you tell it in a completely different manner than what oh, Brett tells yeah. it. And uh, Denise, yeah, Denise was like, uh, you mean, you mean Brett jokes about it a lot yeah. and, and I don't. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and they were like, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> then she looked, she, she told me on the phone, she was like, she's like, Brett, she's like, I, you know, for, for, for so long, I didn't know if you were going to be able to, uh, to stop breaking the law. And that got me so damn bad, man. I was just, you know, it, it, you can't really laugh about things like that. I'm, I, I'm, I'm a big guy that tries to laugh a lot of stuff off, but if that hit pretty hard at that point. I know that Slate and everything else, they've, they've got the question of how do you, uh, how do you know he stopped breaking the law? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I can say anything I want to say, but the way you know is you, you look at somebody and you see what they're doing. Yeah, that's it. I'm all right now. You know, I guess for a long time, I didn't know if I was going to stop breaking the law or not either. So I, I can't blame somebody for asking that question. If you guys can't tell, Brett's choked up and now he's going to make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think, I mean, I hope that everybody listens to it as well. When it comes out, we'll let you know. Oh, um, yeah. It'll, it should be at the end of the month. They're really doing a lot of great work on it and really balanced reporting and really interviewing a lot of people. A lot of people. Um, <laughs> myself included, obviously. You know, it caught me off guard just because. I don't question it anymore because I know your heart and I know you're genuine. And I also feel like, you know, there's no angle with you. I've seen you give out so much information and incredible information that no one else can give. Not asking for anything in return. Well, you know, and I want to be, I want to be clear. I mean, uh, the question may come up, would I ever go back to breaking the law? Right. All right. And, and the answer is, is that I know what my triggers are. Yeah. You did get close this summer and you recognized yeah. it and you said, I'm yeah. never doing that work again. Right. You were being paid legitimately right. by a company right. to find someone that had been really badly Absolutely. harassing them and everything. And you were super honest with me yeah. in text messages and stuff. You were like, I can't do this. Yeah, that's, It's uh, great. It's triggering me. It's making me become that person that right. I was. And not that you were going to break the law because you didn't. You were contracted to you know, contact them and play that game and act oh, yeah. like a bad guy too. So they give you information, but just even acting like that was close. But I think just the fact that you recognize that and you said it out loud is a huge point. Well, that, that was, I mean, the company, they were, their employees were being harassed yeah. and they came and got to, to an extreme measure, to an extreme measure. They, they came and got me and, uh, and Aaron Sherman. They signed us both on mm-hmm. to, to find these people. And they initially just wanted me because they, they, they thought that they thought that I would go to all all links to get them. Right. That's exactly what what was told to me is that mm-hmm. you know we don't care what you do to them, just make a stop. 
And my response was, well, I'm doing just legal stuff. (laughs) I found out. So, so we found Aaron's former FBI agent. So he knows how to build a case and what they look for. And I insisted on Aaron coming in. You know how to build a case from the opposite side, but you don't know exactly what all goes into it. And And, and we found that we found who it was pretty quick. But what happened was, is, is. In order for me to communicate with the person, I had to uh, to go back into that type of mindset of right. the person I used to be, and it it was it happened quickly, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden I was that you Brett, yourself. yeah I was that Brett Johnson I was back in the you know mid two thousands cocky and oh man uh, oh, oh man yeah. oh man I decided that was not a good place to be really right. quickly well right you know? but you've chosen I mean you could totally go on and do that for other companies and you've chosen yeah. to not I'm not going to do that, do that, again do that. because no money amount right. of money is worth being triggered right that to me if nothing else speaks to the fact that you are genuine beyond yeah. that you love your wife so much and she's amazing she's like the sweetest person ever well, there's and, and, no way you never lose her you know and 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 say say something happened with her um or or somebody did something to to the boys or something like that then yeah Brett Johnson would go right back to breaking the law again absolutely and he would make sure that uh, you know if it, if it were a case of monetary need or revenge that's not- yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, not to say that that's okay. It's it's not, but I, but think, I know what my triggers are. I mean, I also know that if, you know, I mean, somebody there, there was a really rough situation a couple of years ago with my daughter being the victim of something. And I myself wanted to oh, absolutely. hurt a small absolutely. child. I mean, a teenage person. I'm not even going to get into all this. Yeah, and we do. We have that in us. It's just what. Exactly. What, what, so what, what I guess what I'm trying to say, though, you. is like. I could be the same way, right? right? It's not just because of your criminal background right. that you would say that. Like, you know, you get in a mom bear, pop bear, yeah, I mean, you'll mess with my You've got a family. Den, the, the family is right. important to you. And, and you're going to do whatever it takes right. to make sure but they're safe. But that's a lot of big ifs. So we so, definitely right. don't want that to be considered that's true. as you're going to go back. But I'm not, I'm not about Gosh, to, I felt to... like I was like walking a tightrope <laughs> with some of those questions. They caught me so off guard. I ended up re-recording some stuff oh, later geez. just because, oh, well, no. And it wasn't that they were trying to trap me. I want to be super right. clear about that. It was just more, I haven't given it a lot of thought. I take you for face value for who you are, not right. for who you were. And I've seen you give so much value and information. I feel like even if you were to start breaking the law tomorrow, we've gotten more out of you than you've gotten out of us. Well, thank you. Thank I mean, you. but I, I don't know down. if that's true or not because I, I've I've been able to change the 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 life that I had into a life that that is just an outstanding life. It really is. I, it's been really so. fun to watch. I say that every episode, I think, but I'm just so proud of you. It's been crazy, and the life you've been able to provide for your family and for yourself, and the stability and your wife's had a really rough year personally and she has, been able she to, you know, the, I know that your goal was to let her be able to quit her job. Yeah. And she didn't know that that was, that you had told me that. Well, that was, it. Beginning. that was it. And then I told, when I saw her in May, I told her that and she just started crying and she said, I didn't know that that was what yeah. he, and I said, that was 100. He didn't know if it was achievable then. Right. But right. it has been, I mean, he and she's able to go back to school now. She's yeah. able to concentrate on, on, on the kids and everything else. And, you know, it's 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 a much better life than what we had. It's a much better life than I've ever had. Right. Yeah, you're not going to do anything to mess that up, right? I mean, you certainly wouldn't want to go. I mean, I, I just always think like, gosh, gosh, this guy used to be on the U.S. Secret Service Most Wanted. Right. I'm sure my texts are being read by somebody in the FBI or the Secret Service. I mean, if you were to mess up, they'd know about it. Yes, yes. So, like, I mean, you got to 
like, especially the higher your profile goes, the more of a target you are for people wanting to know if you're, so you're not right. going, I think that it's going to be really well done. I really, I do trust I, these guys as being good journalists. I think that, you know, they want it to be well-rounded and balanced. Right. And so they're getting lots of different perspectives. I think that, I think it'll be really interesting. And I think it'll be a side of you that a lot of our listeners haven't really heard. Cause well, we there usually is that. just focus on God. <laughs> I mean, when you speak at conferences, you talk a lot more about your life and right. stuff. And I think right. that there are some things in the works where people can <laughs> learn more about your life story soon. Carissa sworn to secrecy. So That's true for right now. Anyway. Fault, well, as any merchant who tells me lots of things knows, which I know a lot of you listen, you know, I'm a lockbox. So it's important to me. So why don't we get into some frogs? I was about we? to ask, what are we talking about today? <laughs> I feel like we're in a different kind of a therapy session. Well, you know, right before we got on uh, recording, mm -hmm. we were talking about rental companies. Which we is were. Something we were. I know quite a bit about from my personal life or from my professional life, actually, but my beginning of my career, we thought that the way we are talking about it would be really interesting to people, whether they have a rental business or not, because there are some things that you can think about in the way that you were describing it sure. in the thought process that you had the other day. So why don't you kind of start with what you, what got you thinking about sure. rentals so, uh, and kind of what you were thinking about <laughs> once you discovered them. <laughs> so, so of course, you know, I went to Turkey and I, I gave this keynote presentation over in Istanbul and everything. And, and while I was there, one of the big things I guess that you're supposed to do is is you go to the bazaar and you buy a fake Rolex, <laughs> otherwise known as a Folex. Which your stepson does not like that term. He by does the way. not. I gave it to him, <laughs> and he wears it to school. I think that was the first thing he said to me in like the first thirty seconds. <laughs> and I make sure that everyone knows he wears not a Rolex but a Folex. So. Uh, I, you know, I started, I bought him that. And uh, then I started looking at, because I've not, I've not really dealt in watches for, for years. I used to own all the Rolexes and the Chanel J12s and all mm -hmm. this other stuff. And, you know, I, I, I don't do that anymore because now I make, I, I earn money. <laughs> and, and that's a lot of money to spend on a watch. Yeah, right. That's, so, not, that's not someone else's money. That's right, money right. Now. So, uh, you know, I got on, I got on some of these forums and I was reading about these fake watches and the fake Rolexes and everything and the different qualities that are out there now and everything. And then, and here's what happens. So when you're breaking the law, when, when you're trying to steal an item, first you, you target what the item is. So I'm reading these forums and I'm like, you know, wonder how hard it would be these days to steal or to get a Rolex Daytona. Now let's just clarify here. You're just thinking of it purely as like you're interested in it. Absolutely. Just like when I hear of a new business model or a new something, I immediately, it's like a fun game. Absolutely. I try to think how would they, how is that going to get taken advantage right. of? How is that going to be monetized? How is somebody going to steal it? So you aren't trying to play, because I mean, geez, we just got done talking about how <laughs> you are. Let's be clear here. You were hypotheticals like, huh, this is a new business model. How would people do it? Right. And because you have those skills and you think even better about it in a criminal mindset than I do, you went into a lot of detail of exactly step-by-step step what you do. Exactly. I just wanted to be super, super clear. Yeah, no, everyone, I, I'm not planning on stealing a Rolex. No. But back, back when, I, when, I, when I did steal some Rolexes, what would happen was is you could not card, and by card I mean you could not use stolen credit card information to hit a... a 
reputable jewelry store. So a Rolex dealer, you usually could not use uh, stolen credit card details to, to get a Rolex from an authorized dealer because they wanted you to send in a scan. They wanted to send in the driver's I've license. i worked with a lot of those All this other guys. stuff. And yeah. it became mm -hmm. difficult, right? So right. you would have to find some alternate way to get the Rolex. And, and used to what you would do is Yahoo at that point had a lot of these Yahoo shops. And you would just simply start, start searching Yahoo shops mm. for someone who had a Rolex. And they were there. That was pre-eBay. Pre-eBay. Mm -hmm. All right. And so you, you would then hit the Rolex, hit that Yahoo shop with stolen credit card details for that Rolex. And it would go through pretty well because it was pretty easy at that point to defraud the Yahoo shop system the way it was set up. Well, nowadays it doesn't work like that. So I was I was sitting there going, okay, if I were going to steal a Rolex now, how would I do that? So I started going, okay, I wonder if anybody rents Rolexes because I know they rent bags. I know right. they rent jewelry and, and, and movie cameras and all this other stuff. So I wonder if anyone rents watches these days. Well, it turns out <laughs> that, that several companies rent watches these mm -hmm. days. I used to work for one. So there you go. So I start looking at, at, at the different sites and I start looking at at the application process. Okay, what does it take to actually get a Rolex from these people? Well, they're going to run a credit application. They're going to maybe call, do all this other, there's a deposit. So so a lot of them are, are requiring anywhere from $200 up to $10,000 to become a member of these sites. Huh. So I'm like, okay, so if it's $10,000, what type of watches do they have? Because honestly, I mean, some of those Rolexes, Daytona, Daytonas, they go up to $35K, but you're really just wanting the stainless Daytona. That's the most collectible one. And that's only about $15,000. So it's, it's not worth putting $10,000 right. down for that. Right. But they do have all these AP watches, these Audemars Piaget, or P however you say it, I'm not a watch that person, go for $35,000. So I'm sitting there going, okay, that may be worth ten k, But maybe not. A lot of people, a lot of criminals don't have ten k to put down. Let's look at other sites. What well, turns out some of these other sites are simply, you know, $170 a month yep. is what you pay. And you can get the Submariner, you can get the Daytona, whatever you want to get. So I started looking at that. Looking, looking at the, the application process where they're going to require a driver's license, they're going to require the credit report. So I started looking at that. I'm like, okay. And here's the point. So when, when a criminal starts looking at how to defraud a system, they're going to read every single thing they possibly can on that website that they're trying to defraud. Not only on that website, but they're going to look at other websites as well. That, that are dealing in the same thing, whether it be rental stuff or selling iPhones, laptops, whatever. They want to see how that entire vertical works. So does a criminal pick the product or the company that they want to defraud? Well, first? they first pick the product. Usually it's the product. Okay. Okay. Usually it's the product. Mm -hmm. So you, you find the product that you want. Where is it being sold? Then you start looking at the websites, the businesses which themselves. Which one's the most vulnerable? Which one's the most vulnerable? Now, mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be a mom and pop store. Right. Right. Some mom and pop stores are going to do manual reviews on everything. You're not going to get the damn thing. <laughs> it's anyone to look for. <laughs> right. And, and, and some, some bigger companies, you know, they're, they're billion dollar companies, but they're not really very good about stopping fraud. So it really depends on, on the company itself. So you start looking at every single company that's there, start reading everything. You read the terms of service, the shipping policies, everything else. You may pick up the phone, call, and ask a few questions. Huh. 
All right, but you read every single thing it's you like can. It's like staking out a robbery. <clears throat> Absolutely. You case huh. everything you can. You do all the research you can. You uh, you you may even try to read. Like I do, I, I was big, and I did that with this too, is that you start trying to read news articles about potentially people stealing things from these rental agencies or huh. from stores. So how are they stealing them? What happened? How did they get how caught? How did they get caught? Everything else like that. So I started doing all this. That's a huge point for companies that have investigation (laughs) and work with law enforcement. Absolutely. Just saying. Absolutely it is. (laughs) So I started doing all that. And one of the things that's big with me and and that's big with a lot of the, uh, and I I hate to say, it sounds like I'm bragging, but I'm not. The the more experienced criminals, the guys who are able to to steal things of basically whatever they want to, is that it's almost like we've got this this degree of Asperger's syndrome. You get locked into a topic and you're there. Like my wife, I was we were in the living room and she was watching. Uh, what was she? She was watching Ray Donovan. We're on Ray, this oh, Ray yeah. Donovan mm-hmm, kick lately. Mm-hmm. So she was ra- watching Ray Donovan. We're about a season behind. Oh, it's great! It's wonderful. It's like oh yeah. So uh, we're on season two right now. Oh gosh, yeah, we're ahead of you. We're so behind. Yeah. So so she's watching it and she sees me on my laptop and I'm not paying the least bit of attention to that. <laughs> So she's like, aren't you watching this? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm watching it. Just She's like, you're not watching it. And I'm like, look, I'm busy. What are you doing? I'm looking at watches. Oh, <laughs> and she was like, what? And I, and I had to stop. And I was like, oh, I'm in that mode. Right. <laughs> right. And she, 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 you know, I told her when we first met, I was like, look, I said, I, I'm this guy that I get on a topic and everything kind of gets phased out right. while I'm on that topic. And uh, it took her a while to realize that she was like, you are exactly like that. <laughs> you you get on a subject and you don't stop. Mm-hmm. And and that's the way I was when I was committing crime. It's the way I am today when I'm on a subject talking or anything else like that. Is this? It's almost like Asperger's. You, right. you get locked into a thing, and it's it's not just me, but most of these upper tier criminals or hackers. I'm not a hacker. But most of these hackers are almost that same way. That's they, how they end up, you know, up all night because they're just fixated. Absolutely. You're, you're on that topic. And there were times when I was on a computer, 18 hours, 24 hours, <laughs> whatever, until you figure it out. So, and that's the way it is with this research. You you research every single thing you can. You're looking at every topic. You're reading every everything. You're you're even putting through dummy credit, report, credit applications to see how it works, to see what the responses mm-hmm. are everything else like that. And finally, I'm like, okay, so what I would need to do to defraud this company, because they're going to probably call a number, they're going to need the number on the credit report. What I would need to do is make sure the, that my cell phone, my burner cell phone number is on that credit report. Well, it's not hard to do that. Right. Yeah. You've talked, I think you yeah. talked about that on a previous episode right. about how easy it is. It's very easy to do you that. Get registered in the victim's name and then you 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 can do it like that you can you can actually just apply for credit right you can uh, do a dispute process on the credit bureau systems that will put the new phone number on there you can ato a low level account so you get you pull someone's credit report you find out where they've got a utility like a water bill or a power bill you call in you say hey i just need to update my phone number they don't even ask the security question. Of course on not, because they don't think that it's right. fraud. But because it reports to the credit report, when it's updated the phone number on their system, it updates the phone number on the credit report. Thereby, it adds the burner number so that you've got that on there. You do that with addresses, anything else. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting there going through, okay, so it's actually pretty easy. Right. 
to and steal all in, these be like, things. what, about 20 bucks for a Fools? And right, run so credit. it's 20 bucks for the Fools. It's another 30 for the phone. Then you'd have to come up with the, you know, you, you do the application process for the rental item. Say it's a watch at this point, so you do the, uh, the, the application process for that. The companies that I found were roughly anywhere from 170 up to 250 a month. So you make three months payments. So $650 gets you a $15,000 watch. And I'm like, oh, that's that's not difficult. And as you pointed out before we started recording this, it's not just that. I mean, you've got digital camera people that are doing this now. You've got and and these cameras. I mean, you get a Nikon D1 or something mm-hmm. like that. They're selling at pretty good prices. Yep. So, yep. They're renting those. They're renting. They're easy enough to turn clothes, around. Yeah. Designer shoes. Designer. I mean, obviously, uh, when I worked for Magmar Steel, which was the first online rental company right. for you know other than Netflix, you know, renting. <laughs> You know, when they'd send out the DVDs, that was what, you know, when Bagwire Steel first came out, every headline was it's the Netflix for purses. Sure. We had high-end purses, jewelry, we had Cartier oh, and Tiffany's and all that stuff. And we had watches, we had Rolexes, there you go. Tag Hewers, what else do we have? Cartier watch. We had a few different ones and sunglasses as well. Yeah, you take a Cartier's five to eight K mm-hmm. and you're going to resell that pretty quickly at 80% of retail. Yeah. Rolex, you're going to sell it more than retail. So. <laughs> so I quit my job at Bagbar Steel a week before I got married. And then I started at Expedia two days later. It just was how life oh, geez. happened. Oh, I geez. And I turned 30 a, couple of, <laughs> a month before that. It was a really crazy time. I was planning a wedding, putting a job. I mean, it was the job. Like, I oh, I worked until like 10 o'clock at night on my last day because that's how I am. I built that department. I built the system. I built everything. It was my baby. Right. My going away present, so to speak, from upper management was about $30,000 in diamonds for my wedding. No kidding. Just to borrow. Oh. Um, I wasn't going <laughs> to. I didn't want to. But I mean, I honestly didn't even want to wear them for my wedding. I'm just not a flashy Still, person. Still, that's got to be great. Yeah. But I mean, it was like, okay. They, I mean. If anything, it was more meaningful to me that they, you know, wanted to do something nice. Because, I mean, that was a couple thousand dollars worth of rental fees or whatever. Sure. But I really didn't care about handbags or I still really don't. To me, it was a challenge. So when I worked with Bagwar Steel at first, it was when I was actually at the merchant processor and I was their risk analyst. Ah, okay. And I was like, you guys need to, you know, have somebody in charge of this. (laughs) You guys have a problem. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I have like a thousand merchants in my portfolio. So as much as I'm spending a lot of time with you, like I can only spend so much. And that was the company where the CFO at the time told me that no one would ever steal from them because her husband worked for the Seattle Police Department. Like that matters. And I said, do you have that posted on our website? Well, no. And then they also <laughs> told me that the only, she also told me that the only people that ever rented from their website were uh, women with no kids who made over six figures who had a lot of discretionary income. And I said, well, how do you know that? Like I was right. actually, I was naive at the time and I thought, wow, that's really great intelligence for two thousand and seven. <laughs> I mean, now you could probably know that, but then like you know, no, you're data. Not know that. and I was like, Wow, how do you make sure that they're the only ones that enter your website? And she's like, Well, we don't, we just know that's your shop. Well, okay, oh, that geez. might be your target market. That might be who in a boardroom you say that you want to gator to. Trust me, when I started looking at those orders when I worked there, that is not who ordered them. <laughs> um, there were a few, but not as many. A lot of people were trying to live outside their means, especially sure. at the beginning of the recession. Well, Lord knows I'd love to act like a one of, of these women that stars. are six figures. Oh, yeah. Geez. 
Yeah, right. Well, it was just, it was funny, but her last day was actually my first day. (laughs) I'm not even making that up. I was told that she was going to go spend time on her farm with her horses, which now kind of sounds like, oh, we're sending the dog to a farm. That's true. (laughs) I found out actually through the grapevine that she's still working at companies as CFO. And I'm like, I mean, only because she just wasn't very realistic and she just really wanted to believe what she wanted to. But My whole point of this is that they didn't know to think about fraud. Fraud was never even a thought of theirs. Sure, sure. They were just thinking, oh, people that have money are going to want to change out their purses. Like they weren't thinking that people were going to rent them in quotations for a week. And that was also around the time that eBay was getting big. And it was at the beginning of the recession. It was a perfect storm. Well, absolutely. Then to add on top of that. So this was 2008, and in June, I believe, of that year, Sex and the City, the movie, came out, and they mentioned bag borrower steal because one of the main characters is obsessed with purses, and her assistant, who wasn't making very much, had a special edition (laughs) denim. I know exactly which one it was because that's how I knew, you know, these were the things I had to protect. Louis Vuitton handbag, and the main character said, how did you afford that? She said, oh, I rented it. It's a rental. And it was like basically a commercial for Bag Steel in the middle of the movie. And what's funny is they didn't pay for that. They were asked by the movie, hey, can we use this? No Because we think it'd be great for the storyline. Best press ever. So, however, as soon as the movie started, the movie hit, I actually messaged the controller because I was still working for the presser, but I was in the process of moving to Seattle because that's where my now husband lived. And I knew that was where Bagware Steel was headquartered. And I said, hey, you know, the movie's going to come out. I have a feeling fraud's going to get even bigger. When you're ready to hire that person for fraud, I'd love to be considered. I started in August. I think it was like August 1st or whatever it was. The month I started, they wrote off 75% of their profits due to fraud. Well, see, that's the thing, right? I, I mean, where where does fraud? And I can say that now because it's not really around yeah. anymore, and it's not a public company. But, you, so you know, if you're I wouldn't have said at, that, before. and that's that's one of the things we were talking about before we started recording it, is where does where does fraud go from those small numbers? Yeah, I was asking to you just that. Wildfire, right. all of a sudden. Right. So I to kind of transition with that. I was talking to a smaller merchant who is a listener of ours. Hello, you know who you are. Hello, you know who you are. There's a lot of people that like when I reference someone, they're like, I know you were talking about me. I know you're talking about me. I'm like, yeah, but I didn't say your name. But I you were thought of. I was talking to him and his company last week because they kind of wanted to pick my brain on a couple of things. And I had said, you know, right now you guys are a fairly, you know, not so well-known website, which actually works in your favor for fraud. I mean, I know for sales, but actually they're doing quite well, but there's not a lot of marketing, not a lot of buzz. It's just organic SEO traffic, I believe. And I said, you know, I asked kind of what kind of fraud they were getting and it's kind of the easy peasy, like carding stuff. You know, it's pretty easy to spot. I said, well, you know, you're good for now, but if there's a tipping point, then it's going to get bigger. And he said, well, what would that tipping point be? And I said, well, you know, it gets more sophisticated after a while. And then I got to thinking about it on the plane today and I wrote down, well, what is that tipping point? Is it when they become a big company? Is it when they have a lot of press and marketing so that fraudsters get to know about the new business model and they're starting to think like you are like, this is how I can defraud them, especially they know. I would assume that criminals know that newer companies aren't always prepared for fraud. Is it when there's a buzz on the dark web, like when somebody discovers it and they post about it? Or is it, or does the fraud only get sophisticated when there's new fraud tools introduced? And so then the the mice get more sophisticated. Sure. Like I was asking you, what's that tipping point? And I 
think it might, I think what we kind of came up with is it, it's kind of different for every company. For Bag Bar Steel, it was Sex and the City, the movie, no question. Absolutely, absolutely. But there were other factors, right? Right, like, so, so they were certainly seeing fraud before, whether you know, they knew yeah. it or not. Yeah, I knew it from their <laughs> right. processor, and I wasn't even seeing the customer details. I was just seeing, like, high-level transaction details, and I could tell. Right, and, and so so they appear on Sex and the City. Lord knows I used to watch Sex and the City. If I would have seen that, <laughs> I would have been movie. like... Okay. Okay. So I, I never saw the films, but I watched the series. Yeah. If 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 I would have seen that on the series, I would have been like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let me look at that. Well, a lot of people didn't know if it was a real thing, so they googled that right, first. And right. Once they realized it was a real thing, they're like, ah. Ah. Well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then maybe they're used to buying them outright, and then their house goes into foreclosure, and then they're like, oh, I'm going to rent a fifty thousand dollars sure. Chanel because. I want to still keep up appearances Absolutely. with my friends. So what but I would we also have people we had I couldn't believe it. There's another funny story. It's like I was when I first started, the very first thing I did was let's look at all the good transactions and then let's look at all the bad transactions. Sorry guys, there's a little city noise in the background. We're in San Francisco. We're, we're all about the San Fran ambiance. <laughs> We're just going to roll with it here. I'm on a roll. So I was looking at like what's normal transaction, what's what's a fraud transaction right. to kind of you know, that's a baseline to start. And I would see men ordering 20 handbags for a week. (laughs) And I asked, like, is there a use case for this? And this is just, and this is not to pick on the people. Fraud wasn't as big as it is now. They didn't really know about it as much. But I was literally told, oh, he was probably really excited about our our offerings and our and our website. And he probably wanted his girlfriend to pick out whichever one she wanted to rent for a month. And so he just got her a lot of options to pick because he's such a nice guy. So they rationalized it. Oh, completely. <laughs> 100. It didn't even cross their mind that those bags are already on eBay oh, yeah. after a week. Oh, yeah. And because as soon as they paid the week rental nothing else was paid and it was either on their legitimate credit card or on a stolen credit card. Sure it was. And they would, the other thing was at the time they, the company didn't have any recourse for getting their stuff back. Oh geez. There was no, you know, no collections. There was no dunning process. There was no nothing. So I had to put all of that in. So when I say that I reduced chargebacks by 97% and their losses by a ton, I mean, I mean it. Yeah. You know, but it was crazy. And, and what How I would have done, so, so I would have seen that on, I would have seen it on the show or the film. Right. I would have hit the store. Mm-hmm. I would have gotten the purses or whatever the hell it was. I would have gotten that or been like, okay, that was pretty easy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let me do it a hundred more times and tell right. all my friends, which so is exactly I, Exactly. What that's exactly what happened. So I, I, I continue hitting that store because I'm getting, you know, four or $5,000 purses, right. reselling them on and you eBay. you don't have to be sophisticated. That not at all. That's not, not sophisticated. So why would you go to the extra? I guess my point is like you wouldn't go to the as a fraudster, you wouldn't go to the extra trouble if you no. didn't have to. That's why fraud gets more sophisticated as merchants put more stop gaps Absolutely. in, but you also have to have a product that they want. Right. Some way that they're gonna fence it or that they're gonna Absolutely. monetize it. And that criminal has to know exactly, you know, how they're gonna monetize right. it. Right. And and you know, you you're so happy with what you're getting as a criminal that you want to share that information with somebody. So you got your buddies on ICQ or Jabber or whatever. And you're like, Hey dude, uh, you wouldn't believe this. I just, I just got $20,000 worth of in purses. In some cases it was 60. There was no <laughs> limit when I came in. No limit at all. They weren't checking credit. They weren't doing fraud checks. Oh geez. And there you was know, no limit. That's the weird thing. The, the initial response. I know it because I've done that kind of stuff. The initial response, when you tell someone like that, they're like, no, no, purses is there money in purses and you're like dude 
you have no idea the how much money there is. The most expensive one we had was forty seven thousand dollars. <laughs> and you you tell them that and they're like, "What website is this again?" Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, you remind me of when you said like, "Well, of course you want to share it with it." You remind me of my husband had a really bad cold last week, and he gave it to me, and he goes, "Well, I was just being caring." Yes, I'm just. Yeah, I had to tell caring. somebody. Right, I had to give you. My <laughs> I mean, this is insane. Exciting. I'm making this kind of money on purses. Oh yeah, I mean it was nuts. <laughs> Unfortunately, the people that were profiting off of that did not like me too much, but I don't really care because I mean, right, I did a good right. job. But I mean, that was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done just because it was a brand new business model. Jeez. There was no one I could talk to about it. Like, no one else had done this. I could, it was completely uncharted right. territory. And see, that's because I it's the guys a brand at Netflix new business model. Because the recurring on that, like, they're worried about $9.99 or $14.99 recurring every month. Right. I had like $600 a month Ugh. or $400 a week or 800 Or right. if they had multiple right. products, it was a lot. And again, in the recession, not everybody had that limit. So it was right. a lot. But I was able to really do a lot of awesome stuff there, which has become a great foundation of my knowledge. I mean, I was able to test out all the advice I had given merchants without ever being in the merchant's shoes to then be sure. like, oh, this is a little harder than I thought. Well, you know, you, you made fun. that statement just a second ago of brand new business model. Yep. That right there, there is nothing a fraudster loves more <laughs> than a title like that. Brand new business model. Oh, huh. yeah. All the new gig economy <laughs> stuff that's been coming Absolutely. up in the last like five years, the, you know, home rentals, the right. car rentals, the ride shares. All of those have had, oh, there's really something going on outside this hotel. <laughs> so all of the, you know, all of the fraudsters had such like a heyday with sure. those when they first came. Now, luckily, a lot of those companies had some e-commerce veterans in it and knew that it was important to have fraud on the brain and right. have a department and have, you know, something put in place before they started. But I know there's a lot of people listening that have had to start a fraud department from scratch. And yeah. I think that there's no better learning opportunity than to start something from scratch. I no, mean, you're, you're absolutely right. It can seem extremely overwhelming. And I'm lucky that I did it in my youth because I don't know if I'd have the time or the energy or the patience to do it now. But that was the most fun I've ever had because I got to create something from nothing. <laughs> I got to really see the impact of my work. Sure, absolutely. Um, it was pretty significant how right. many millions of dollars I was able to prevent them from losing and also retain from people. Because you weren't just worried about people stealing your product. You were also worried about people just not paying for it and keeping it. Right. We had a lady who her house was in foreclosure and all this other stuff. And she had about $40,000 worth of product and she'd had it for several months and she oh, had paid. And I called her and I said, look, just send me my stuff back. I will waive every single rental fee. I just want my stuff back so we can make a profit off right, of it like, right. again. And she said, you don't understand. All of my friends have seen me carry these items and I don't want to explain to them why I don't have it. Oh, geez. Her husband had lost his job. She was working at a grocery store. Their house was in foreclosure. I said, look, I have to send you to collections. And I go, I don't want to. I just want you to give my stuff back. Like, I can see on your credit report, things are bad right now. Please just, and you've acknowledged you still have them. Right. You haven't sold them. Just give them back. She wouldn't. We ended up having to put a lien on her mortgage and on her and on her paychecks. So in order to, at a grocery store. to just impress people. Yeah. It was a front row seat. I mean, it was sociology. Like I studied sociology in in college, you know, for as long as I went. So that you couldn't get a warrant for her or you just didn't want to go that route? It wasn't stealing. It wasn't by the police uh, description. We willingly gave it to her and she was paying for it. It was her credit card. Oh, geez. So it wasn't, they don't consider that stealing because it's a rental. They kind of were like, look, it's on you guys for being dummies to rent out $40,000 worth of stuff to somebody. So is that the way it is right now? 
I, I don't know, but that doesn't mean that you need to do it. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm just sitting there going, okay, so. I'm so seeing we, your wheels turn yeah, like your exactly. it's, like, it's like, wait a second, wait a second. You could, you could, you could get it on your credit card now. And just keep it and not make the payments. But the fact that they're doing deposits now is huge because I really wanted to do deposits okay. on ours and we couldn't because of leadership and also some of the rules and regulations on credit card processing right. and some other stuff. It would also just be a heavy lift to have to manage all that. Right. And things were pretty manual back then. So, I mean, I do think that the deposits are a pretty good, you know, stopgap or at least like it, it's a good buffer and protection, but we didn't have that ability. And so, yeah, it was literally like just guessing. I mean, I put stuff in place like we did a credit check of anything over $10,000 worth of value, which meant that I saw some reality TV stars credit reports as well as some other famous people. But that'll be a story for another time because I know this has, you know, been a long podcast. But anyway, like I think that it's a unique business model to talk about because I think you can learn different things. Like even sure. if you and your business model don't do rentals at all, or maybe your company has an offshoot because there are a few that do. Right. The company I told you about that I was consulting for that does something completely different, but they happened to buy a company, like they went through this acquisition stage. And they went through this, they bought this company that rents high-end digital cameras. I see all these rental companies now and I'm like, oh man, I you, I think you guys are all learning from my mistakes. Because I see like Rent a Runway came out pretty close after right, Bad right. Water Steel closed. And I saw a lot of things that they put in place that I was like, that's smart. I would have done that too if I was starting from ground up. Well, sure, I was kind yeah. of starting halfway through and they were bleeding. So I was... It was both like trying to plug the holes on the boat and trying to make sure that no more new water came in too at the same time. So we were trying to like, you know, clean up everything that had already been done sure. and then also try to prevent future stuff. But well, you know, I, I hadn't looked at I hadn't looked at it for a while. I mean, I right back when I when I was a criminal, I, I looked at rental stuff and I was like, okay, that's interesting. But I was already stealing so much money elsewhere, I didn't worry about right. it. Right. And then there was one point when I was, one of my laundering services for funds was a, uh, so <laughs> back to back to the podcast. So, so one of my laundering services was a production company. So at one point I was looking at getting film cameras, oh. you know, and these th film cameras are 30 grand a piece. So did you create a company to launder it? Oh, geez. I had, I, <laughs> I, didn't know. I had a stage company. I had a, a film production company. I had a, a car detailing place. All were of any of these real? No. Okay. I mean, paper. so, so I was a stage actor and right. we, and we yeah. did some filming of, of the stage plays, but I, I used that as, as a means to also launder money. Exactly. Uh -huh. Exactly. So, you know, I was looking at, at getting film cameras cause I didn't want to buy, you couldn't card a $30,000 camera, right? but you right. could certainly rent one. Ah, and then keep it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was looking at stuff like that. That I was in person, so you'd have to have no, like, no. That back then that you could, online? you could, you get it online out of LA. You would, uh, you oh, could rent them. They would okay. ship them out to you. They'd ship that the booms, wow, the dat packs, everything else. At that point, hmm. I didn't go that route. I actually ended up hitting. Uh, I guess I can say it. I stole from B and H Photo two Canon XL ones. You're the reason why they're so strict. Oh, now. they're they're great now. <laughs> they are. I've worked with them. <laughs> they are outstanding now. At my previous company, and they are very meticulous. Yes. Th back then they weren't. I hit them for, uh, geez, I think it was twenty two grand or some oh, stuff geez. worth of worth of camera supplies. I mean, it's been ten years, so it's not yeah, worth throwing yeah, them under the right. bus. But and uh, I'm sure they know. I mean, they're now they're outstanding. Yeah. I mean, now you're trying to steal something from them now. Yeah, it's not going to work. <laughs> 
No, no. The, I, I mean, I would honestly venture to say that some companies, and I'm not going to say that one specifically, but some companies sometimes after they've been hit go way too far on the other side, the pendulum, and then right. you're actually risking a lot of false positives and lost sales. And sure. you're not just losing that one sale, you're losing that customer for life. You're right. Probably you're right. Your competitor. So it's definitely you know, something you have to always find the balance in, which we talk about all the time. Absolutely. I feel like I say that in my sleep, but it's very, very true. And, and very few companies can do what B&H Photo does as far as stopping fraud. Right. You yeah. Know. But to that point, if a criminal who's just starting out started doing their due diligence, like you just talked about and looked up articles, they'd know and looked up stuff in the forums, they'd know not to touch on them. Absolutely. And, but they'd probably go to a company that sells similar products. Absolutely. To so, so that criminal that wants that, that Nikon D1, right. he, he, he may find Adorama or he may find B&H photo, but he'll find out pretty quick. Okay. I don't hit those places. Yeah. <laughs> so yep. where can I find that? That doesn't a have rental that type company of security, a rental or company. a smaller or a newer thing. Or I know like when GoPros were really big, Oh yeah. you know, GoPro was able to, I mean, it, it took a little time like it does for a lot of companies, but they were able to stop fraud, but then you had all these resellers Absolutely. that were getting hit for it Absolutely. too, because the demand was still there. And so and, and that was one of the big items. Away. Oh, yeah. You know, it was a huge item for resale and everything else. All the criminals wanted the GoPros because you could sell them pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. The thing is, you couldn't get them directly from the company. Yeah. So, but as you said, there were all these outdoor places that yep. sold them and everything else. And you sit there and, and literally you I know sit several there. outdoor companies right. that have told me, or at least I can think of three <laughs> who have said... They never had fraud until they had GoPro. Absolutely. And that was the only thing they had fraud on. That's it. Because um, as a criminal, you're sitting there, okay, I don't need the other stuff, but what item do they have on site? They have that damn GoPro. Mm -hmm. I can get, I can order two of those. Yep. The order is going to go through just fine. Get the product, resell it at 80% retail and right. make money at that point. Yeah. So it's, 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 it, a lot of it is product based. Where there's a will, there's a way. Where there's a will, there's a way. A lot of it is the, is the publicity, as you pointed out mm -hmm. with, with sex in the city, it's word of mouth on the criminal side. Right. It's, it's all that working in conjunction that finally gets it to that tipping, tipping point. point. Right. Right. And that was kind of the big question I was hoping to answer in this podcast is just like, what gets fraud from, you know, the easy, simple stuff to the harder stuff, but also the bigger volume of sure. fraud and the numbers because the haystack might stay the same, but the needles, you know I mean? It's Absolutely. just like, it, or the, as the haystack grows, the needles are harder well, to find and all you that. You pointed out something else as well. I mean, so, so the fraud starts out as, as unsophisticated fraud mm -hmm. and, and a criminal is not going to use sophisticated measures where he doesn't have to use them. Right. That makes sense. It's not until the company really ramps things up that you see those more sophisticated things coming in. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it goes absolutely crazy because the company has trouble defeating those sophisticated measures. Whether well, and it be that's RDPs why we're kind of hard on, on linear rules engines right. right now because those are easy to guess by the fraud. They've learned how to do that. They test the thresholds. Absolutely. They figure out, oh, okay, so they score things higher over $50. I'm going to do 45 or they're looking at billing and shipping, not match. Okay. Right. So now I'm going to make it match. They're doing this. And that's why we are more critical of that. I don't think that that means that every single company using rule, linear rules engines should stop doing that right. because I do think that there are several companies that 
can do it just fine. And it also, I think it really depends on the fraud manager and how good they are at translating the type of fraud they're seeing either by chargebacks or, you know, through manual reviews and translating that into the right rule that doesn't trip up a ton of good guys, but catches those bad guys without the bad guys guessing what the rule is. Absolutely. I've heard some great, like, just crazy, obscure rules that merchants have figured out to write that the criminal could never figure no, out that that's no. what they were and, doing. And you add in, like like Chris Roberts is really big on deception technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, of some t- and, and that translates to merchants of sometimes you don't stop the order at a specific point. You let it go further into the system. Or sometimes, you, you know, whatever that is. I have, a, I have had a couple merchants recently ask me if I would recommend them, like, buying stolen gift cards and like tracking back sure. how they were bought. And I've said, absolutely no. But I mean, you know, you need to run it up the flagpole to make sure your right. company's okay buying it from a criminal and all that. Right. But sure. Especially when they're in a block of gift cards, mm-hmm. you know, when there's a whole set of them, because maybe you have a leak internally or maybe, right. you know, they're stealing a stack of them at the grocery store. There's so many different methods, but when it comes to like stealing credit card numbers and stuff to figure out how they're doing it, that I don't really recommend or login information just because the sheer volume of it is Yeah. Crazy. You can get logins all day. Yeah, exactly. And you're not really going to get to an end right. point. Gift cards and stuff like that, if you want to do that to try to track and figure well, out how Especially if you can find the block. If if it's a block, you can shut down every single And that's what I tell them. I'm like, look, if it's one-offs, I wouldn't waste your time unless you can guarantee they're all from the same person and they're doing the same thing and they're using the same methodology. If it's in a block, sure. Yeah. I mean, as long as it's okay with your company and all that. I think that, you know, so that, that deception technology, but... There are some merchants I know who like have turned off the rules just to kind of see, you yeah, know, all see those what things. Happens. Yeah, but <laughs> again, that is not a way to justify your job function to your company. I have heard <laughs> of somebody who did that once uh, just to show their company how valuable they were, and I wouldn't recommend that. Uh, that's a very expensive lesson. It is if you're good at explaining KPIs and metrics, you don't have to do that. But, and I'm kind of saying that past tense because that person lost their job. I just, I think that, you know, yeah, it's good to think about those things. Like how would my company get defrauded? And then when we put in this new technology, try to think ahead and think, how are they going to try to get around it? And that's why I like, you know, real-time machine learning and AI. And there are several different companies that offer it. You know, I like the fact, I like the ones that allow you to write your own rules because every company does have a specific fraud that they need to, especially when you're buying, you know, an out-of-the-box machine learning tool. It's good to, when you know, okay, 100% of the time this is fraud or this is our negative list, that kind of thing. It's good to have a hybrid, but it's because it adapts much faster than we can. And Absolutely. it's so much harder for fraudsters to guess what the thresholds right. are when real-time machine learning happens. That's why we're hard on on rules engines. And we, because the fraud is changing. It because is. Because they're figuring out. And there's just so many of them. You've talked about just how much the army, so to speak, has grown over the last 10 years of bad guys that are all communicating with and, each and, other. And you have to consider, so, so it's not... The, the fraud community is not a static community. Hmm. It, it's so, so the fraud community, the, the education level of the fraudsters a decade ago is much lower than the education level of the fraudsters of today. They, they, the fraudsters today simply know more. But they're a lot more specialized because much more when specialized. you were doing it, 
you knew everything about everything, which right. is why you're so helpful on this side of the fence, because you know how social engineering works. Right. You know how the account takeover works. You know all these things work because you did it all. Absolutely. Now it's you've got one guy who's just exceptional at social engineering. Absolutely. He might know a little more about social engineering than you do. I mean, I think the basic principles and stuff are the same, sure. but he might have tailored things more or maybe that social engineering is a bad example. But you know what I mean? Like account takeover is no, probably right. a much better one where the account takeover you were doing back then would be spotted in five seconds Absolutely. now. So they're more sophisticated, but there's also more of them. Right. Because they are all specialized. It is Absolutely. like a career as opposed to like doing it all. Absolutely. That's why I think like if a cyber criminal today were to, you know, go to the other side of the fence and do all of the work that you've done to be on this side, they wouldn't be as valuable because they might only know a little, a lot about one thing. Yeah, they, they know their specific, specific function. That's, right. that's what they know. And, but they're well-versed in that. Yeah, Without but they wouldn't doubt. be as versatile. Right. You can go from right. one conference to another that are about completely <laughs> different things and adapt to it because that's true. you know That's true. Un- unfortunately, that's, I mean, fortunately and unfortunately, that's, <laughs> that's true. It's kind of a double-edged sword, but I'd say your bank account's happy with it. Well, I mean, it's, it's a good lifestyle right now. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, we're in San Francisco. I brought my wife up here. I brought my 14-year-old stepson up here. We were in LA over the weekend. We were in LA over the weekend. We took the Pacific Coast Highway up, did that mm-hmm. 10 hour drive. But we were in uh, Chinatown today, and I got a call from the Elgin, Illinois Police Department. <laughs> And ten years ago, you probably would have well, peed your pants. <laughs> and and I, I looked at I looked at the caller ID, and I'm like, Elgin Police Department. What? I do there. <laughs> so I, I answered. I said, "This is Brett Johnson," and uh, he told me his name. He's like Brett. He's like. Uh, Look, he said, I saw you a few months ago and you spoke to my heart. And I'm like, oh, well, thank you. He's like, uh, yeah. And I was like, well, what can I do for you today? And, and what happened was, is this this woman in Elgin, Illinois, she gets ripped off of Bitcoin. Somebody, oh, I geez. guess they, they installed ransomware on her system and they made her go down to a Bitcoin ATM. And they she made three transactions. And uh, he was like... Uh, can you can you trace these transactions for me? And I'm like, and I told him, well, this is this is what needs to happen mm. in order for me to be able to trace that. Right. It's going you to be very difficult. Data and, right, right. So, um, but I told him too. The reason I mentioned that is I told him I was like, uh, when the call started, I was like, you have no idea how good it is to get a call from law enforcement <laughs> and me knowing I don't have any warrants out. <laughs> And he was like, he's like, it's a pretty good feeling, isn't it? And I was like, you have no idea, man. You have no idea. <laughs> so that's what we need to tell us yes. on the podcast. <laughs> you have no idea how good that feels. Well, right. I mean, you got invited to Quantico and you went there and you got to leave. And I, I and actually I, I told didn't you, have to I was stay. like, I really hope that you can come back because. I don't want to do this podcast by myself. And I've been invited back <laughs> twice this know, this year. So I it's know. like, all right, I'm doing okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose we should probably start wrapping this up. I guess it's that time. <laughs> it is getting there for sure. But uh, it's been really fun doing this in person, person for sure. Well, we're going to get one more in tomorrow, right? Yes, at all least right. one more in tomorrow, yes. Um, and I believe we're going to have a fun little interview. And I have some awesome questions that I'm excited to ask our guests. Sweet. Yes, it'll be fun to put him in the hot seat. It will be. I've known him for a long time. All right. Well, (laughs) that's it for our episode today. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you've learned a lot. You know, we've got so many more topics to cover to help protect you and your company from fraud, so please subscribe to the online broadcast to be alerted to when a new episode is out. Please tell your friends. 
rate and review wherever you can, because believe you me, that really helps get the word out, out about this podcast. So please review us and, and to help everyone else learn about these topics as well. And on that note, uh, in the next couple of podcasts, we're going to be announcing a fun little contest that we think will uh, be exciting for you guys as well to help encourage you to do that. We are very appreciative of everything, everyone. I mean, really, you guys and your, I mean, quote unquote, fan mail seriously makes my day. On that note, we want to continue to hear from you what you love so far about the podcast, how we can improve, what topics you want to hear us discuss. Actually, a lot of this came from, you know, that merchant that I was telling you about. So we do cover those a lot. You can find us on Facebook under Online Frogcast, on our website, www.onlinefrogcast.com, or find us individually on LinkedIn. Until next time, stay informed, stay vigilant, and stay secure.